Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, who loves us more than we can ask for or begin to imagine, may your Holy Spirit fill the space between my lips that speaks these words and the ears of those who listen, so that only your word may be spoken, and only your word may be heard. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus entered Jericho. There's a man named Zacchaeus who was trying to see who Jesus was. Isn't that kind of all of us? He's trying to see who Jesus is. But before we can talk about that, we need to step back for a moment and we need to review last week's gospel because they are related to each other. Last week, we had a parable from Jesus about two people, a Pharisee and a tax collector. We need to stop right there because those two words, Pharisee and tax collector, are probably words that we hear quite differently today than people in the first century hearing this parable would have heard them. So if you want to grasp this parable, we need to pause and think about what these terms mean. I think probably for most of us, that word Pharisee means somebody who is a religious bad guy, someone who is rigid, judgmental, someone who is a hypocrite. Now the problem is that is not any well anybody that time would have heard that word when they heard the word Pharisee. So first of all, they're not religious bad guys, okay? We have this idea because Jesus had opponents who were Pharisees, so that must mean that Pharisees were the bad guys. Jesus had opponents who were Pharisees, but Jesus also had followers who were Pharisees. It's not Pharisees were opposed to Jesus. It was this group of people were opposed to Jesus, and this group wasn't. And a lot of people probably in between who weren't quite sure what to make of him. And so, yes, some Pharisees are the opponents of Jesus, but others help him. Some try and harm him. Others try and get him out of harm. There are stories about that as well. So Pharisees aren't religious bad guys. Pharisees are not rigid and judgmental. Pharisees, uh, they, they have a certain exacting theology. There's a lot we don't know about um, their theology, but a lot we do. Yes, there is this exactness. But Pharisees also have a reputation of being rather lenient in their judgment at the time. And then finally, Pharisees are not understood to be hypocritical. Pharisees are moral exemplars. They're the ones people would look up to. So when Jesus says that a Pharisee comes to the temple to pray, people, they know this story. Okay, yeah, so the Pharisee, the one who does things right, the one who is my model, goes to the temple, and the Pharisee starts saying all the good things that he does, and they're like, yeah, okay, yep, I, I wish I did all that. I wish I did all that. It's such a great model for us. And then when the Pharisee starts talking about, uh, thank goodness I'm not like those other people, they would have known something went wrong here. That's not the way it's supposed to be. They would understand they're not supposed to judge quite like that. Now, then you get to the tax collector. A tax collector is not a mid-level bureaucrat working for the IRS or the Oregon Department of Revenue. A tax collector is a collaborator with the enemy. A tax collector, in this case, is one of our own who is working for Rome, and they are engaged in the suppression of our people. This is a traitor. 
And so they are people who are uh, very looked down upon for this work. I mean, Romans, you can forgive them, they're Romans. But this is one of our own who's engaged in hurting us. And so the tax collector would be someone everyone would be very concerned about. And then they'd hear the tax collector come and offer this prayer of contrition, this prayer like our Psalms. This prayer, I have done wrong, oh God, please forgive me. And they'd be surprised by this, because that's not what they would expect the tax collector to do. So in this parable, we have these kind of radical inversions of what people are expecting when they hear these words. That's going to shock and try and pull people out of their complacency to understand something about humility, something about non-judgment, and most importantly, something about grace and the radical grace of God. So that's the story he was trying to tell. But it was, in fact, just a story. This didn't happen. It's not that a Pharisee and tax collector both showed up at the temple one day and everyone heard the internal monologue of their prayers. No, it is a story. Today's gospel very much can be understood as the embodiment of that story. This is that moment where the rubber hits the road on the extent of God's grace. Jesus shows up in Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to the temple. And there is this chief tax collector, not just any tax collector. This is the chief tax collector. Also, he's very rich. One part I forgot to mention about tax collectors, their uh, income was not very much for this work. They made their money by skimming off the top and convincing you to give them more than you would have to give so that they could have some money. And you could see how that would eventually be taken advantage of by some people. And since he's rich, I bet everyone's thinking, this guy's one who really takes advantage of us. So Jesus shows up. And he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' Zacchaeus's house as a sign of that grace. The incarnation of God, the divine in this world, and the person Jesus goes into the house of this tax collector and sinner. And you hear everyone's grumbling at this. And that's where the rubber hits the road, because offering that kind of grace is something we all can understand in principle when we actually have to do it to a real living person, it can be a lot harder. And the tax collector is this example of how could it get any worse? How could it get harder than this? And Jesus is showing, yes, God's grace extends that far. And then this amazing thing happens when Jesus shows up. When Jesus offers that grace to Zacchaeus by entering into his home, Zacchaeus has this moment when he's faced with that divine truth in Jesus, that recognition that he had been doing wrong. He says, look, I'm going to give half, half of everything I have to the poor. And if I defrauded anyone, I will pay that back four times as much. He sees the wrong he has done. He is sorry for it. And he tries to repair the damage. He's engaged in that work of reparation, 
of trying to heal by trying to give back in the harm that was done. And Jesus says, truly today, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus has been transformed by that grace. But notice that grace comes first. It comes before the contrition. Because we have a God of grace who is always more ready to forgive than we are to even ask. We have a God of grace who offers us the grace when we are still in the midst of the wrong or the error or the imperfection that we have. We have a God of grace, not a God of perfection. We have a God who offers us grace because God loves us just as we are. God loves us not because of what we do, but God loves us because of who we are. Because we were made by God in love. We were made by the God of love and we were made in the image of that God of love stamped with that love in our creation. And that love never goes away. And that love is absolute. And so God's grace to us is absolute. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that grace is in short supply these days. Grace for our neighbors, grace out in the wider community, Grace sometimes right here at home, grace to ourselves. Seems like grace is in short supply. And Jesus today is reminding us of God's grace and inviting us to share that grace with others. While grace may be in short supply out in the world, there's certainly one place where grace is not in short supply, and that is with our God. And so as you try and engage in this work of grace, you try to practice grace in your life, remember the grace of God. And keep moving forward, trying to live in that grace. But know that in the end, God doesn't love you because how much you do and how perfect you are. God loves you for who you are right now. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>